Hey, I'm Andy McMillan, and today we're talking about things that frustrate you. No, I'm not talking about the guy that breathes way too heavily in your office. Well, thanks so much for watching today. We are continuing our series in the 23rd Psalm, and I hope that you're enjoying it. We've actually been doing several episodes over the last um, month or so, a couple of months on the 23rd Psalm, going through it line by line, just talking about each piece individually. I hope that you've enjoyed it. If you've not watched any of those, I encourage you. There's a link uh, here on the screen that you can click on that'll take you to the first episode. If you want to go back through all of them, I hope that you'll enjoy them. Well, today we're going to be talking about the statement, his rod and staff comfort me. His rod and staff comfort me. And I know that that may sound not connected to what we said the episode was about, but there is a connection. There is a connection here between our frustration and what comforts us. And we're going to begin talking about that today. But before we do that, I want to give a shout out to a friend of mine who's been listening to our podcast since day one. Uh, he's a good friend. We, we spent a lot of time together when I was on staff at a church in Florida his name's David Law. He regularly shoots me texts that are encouraging, letting me know that he's enjoying the content and that he's growing from it. And I just want to tell you, I'm so appreciative. I'm not 100% sure how you take in the content. If you watch me on screen, I know you miss all this. All this. Uh, so maybe you watch me on screen or maybe you listen to me on um on uh, the podcast, however you take it in. Thank you so much, David, for being a continued listener, watcher, however you're seeing or taking in this content from the podcast. But today, I want to begin as we talk about your rod and staff comforts me. Before we even jump into the scripture, uh, I want to ask you a question. What frustrates you? What frustrates you? There are things that we all get frustrated by. I mean, there are things that I think are natural frustrations of the world. And I was actually Googling some different things that frustrate people. And so like, here are some general, I'm going to give you some general things that frustrate just about everybody. So let me grab my iPad and let's check out some of these things that frustrate everybody. These are the top, I think it's 10 things that frustrate most people. Let's check these out. Number one or, or number 10. So I guess these are going from least to most obnoxious. Number 10, Someone who relaxes too much on a plane. I think we've all had that person when you're flying somewhere and they ju they're just a little too comfortable. Hey man, it's not your house. Let's calm it down. Let's remember we're in public. Have you ever had somebody take off their shoes beside you on a plane? I think that might be my biggest pet peeve because I've had that happen a couple of times and it was a person whose um, hygiene left a little more than desired. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like it just smelled awful when they took their shoes off. I've only ever had people that got too comfortable who were clearly too comfortable in every way uh, they could be in their life. And so, I, yeah, I hate, I hate when that happens. People get too comfortable on planes. Number nine, when someone stands behind you when they're working, have you ever had somebody do that? Like you're sitting in your office or you're sitting at a table and they just come up behind you and they, they're hoverers. They, they hover over you while you're trying to do something. It's the worst. It's absolutely the worst. I was in a friend's office a couple years ago, 
and he was in like a cubicle style office. And I watched his boss walk in and do this to one of his coworkers, just kind of hovering over. And I just thought, man, I, I would accidentally like turn around and just start swinging. I, I couldn't do it. Uh, but he, he, is, uh, he is a good example of this. People who hover uh, at their job. Number, uh, this would be eight. When someone loudly explains everything going on in a movie. Now, I want to say this on, on this one. Number one, that's awful. But number two, there's nothing worse than going to a movie with somebody who is paying just enough attention to not know everything going on. You know, like they've got their phone out or they're just mind wanderers. They're, they're thinking about something else while they're watching the movie. So like every 10 minutes, they would just turn to you and go, now what just happened? You know, like what's, what's happening? I, I dated a girl. I, it was very short-lived in high school that did that. And it drove me up the wall. I, I mean, it, it probably, probably a reason we broke up <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, that it drove me absolutely nuts. And so I, I can't stand it. I hate both ends of that equation. So, all right, number seven, we've got uh, when someone stands too close to you while you're waiting in line. Now this is, this is kind of a unique time to talk about that because we're getting rid of the, you know, six feet of social distancing in, in most places now, like that's becoming less and less of a concern. And I got to tell you, I kind of miss six feet of distance, you know, <laughs> like you get used to it after a year. There's something about like, we've all had like this ginormous personal bubble. And if you think this is a comment on uh, the pandemic, you have no clue what you're talking about. I'm just saying I I can I could do the rest of my life with six feet of social distance. I'd be okay with that. Like like that is that is not gonna hurt my feelings. I, I could do without the masks, but but six feet of social distance, I could handle. All right, uh, number I th what is this six five somewhere around there? When someone interrupts you loudly by saying what every few seconds, um, this again to me is a frustration that has two sides to the coin. Number one, it is super annoying when you're talking to somebody who's either not paying attention or hard of hearing. However, uh, I, I have a few people in my life who will remain nameless that when they're tired, they begin to just mumble. You know what I'm talking about? Like they just, if you've ever seen the movie Pitch Perfect, there, there's a really good example of, of what I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, there's just somebody mumbling the whole time. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I'm not a fan of that. And that would cause me to say, what? Every few seconds, just like this is saying, is frustrating. However, if they're talking in a normal volume, that's something to think about. But if you have a lot of people that say what all the time, maybe you have a problem. Maybe it's you. All right. So next, we've got when someone sighs, frowns, or glares at you to make sure you know they're annoyed. People that have body language that just lets you know, I think what you're saying is stupid. Yeah, those people are frustrating. All right, um, that's apparently my last one. So that one, I would not say that that is the top one in my mind. But I, yeah, I would go more with the, the plain guy. Anyway, there are things that naturally annoy us in life. 
But sometimes there are things that frustrate us, that, that irritate us, not because it frustrates everybody else, but because deep down there's actually something that we need to deal with and, and process and heal from and accept and move on from. And when we talk about this statement in scripture, your rod and your staff comfort me, uh, I actually think that this connects to it. So before we dive into this, though, I want us to take just a moment and let's read through the 23rd Psalm in its entirety. Let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters and you restore my soul. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. His rod and his staff comfort me. Now, this is a two-dimensional statement. The first is talking about the, the direction and leadership of the Lord. And that we see in the beginning of Psalms 23 that God leads us like a shepherd. We spent a couple of different episodes talking about just that. You can see a link right here on the screen that actually shows you that. The second thing uh, that we see in this passage is a, a transition in that life. And let's talk about both of these for a second. Number one is that God's leadership is leading us with these two instruments, a rod and a staff. The rod is the protection, the protection from the enemy in our life that, that tries to trip us up, that tries to weigh us down, as scripture says, and, and honestly tries to bring in more brokenness in our life than we currently have. That's what the enemy desires to do in your life. He desires, the scripture tells us, to steal, kill, and destroy in our life. But God's leadership provides protection when we choose his leadership. It's when we walk away from his leadership that we also walk away from the protection that God desires to give us. The second way uh, that God leads us is through guidance. The, the scripture tells us that his rod and his staff comfort me. This staff is indicative of guiding. A shepherd uses the crooked end of his staff to guide the sheep gently in the direction that they need to go. If there wasn't a crook, if he just had the rod, when he needed to guide them, he'd poke them to death, right? But God gives us a rounded edge to guide us in the direction that he desires for us to go. And this is so important when we talk about God. It's so important that we understand that there is this masculine defensive nature of who he is, but there's also this gentleness in how he guides us. The second part of this that we need to understand is that uh, the scripture tells us a, a transitioning concept, that the Bible says that his rod and his staff comfort me. Now, let's back up for just a second and look at the scripture. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Why? Because your rod and staff comfort me. Now, the second dimension of this passage is that it's a moment of transition. We see a transition in David's life throughout the latter half of Psalms 23. Now, how do we know that? Well, if we back up in the scripture, it tells us that beginning with the statement, he restores my soul. Now we see that God is leading him through paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Why? Because God has been restoring his soul. As God restores his soul, it changes the dimension and the dynamic of what we're going 
going through. It changes the reality of our understanding of God's work in our life. And when we see that, it changes. So even though I walk through a dark valley, I'll fear no evil because God is with me. And now my rod and my staff, or your rod and your staff rather, God's rod and staff that leads us like a shepherd would lead his sheep, comfort me. And oftentimes we find ourselves in a spot before the restorative nature of God really takes place in our life. Before we really see some of that brokenness healed in our own life and in our own circumstance. And that rod and staff are not comforting to us, but they are frustrating to us. And oftentimes the things that God is trying to get to you more and and you need more in your life than ever before are the things that until you accept them and realize that you need them deeply will frustrate you. I can give you a great example in my own life. Uh, When I was a kid, when I was little, like kindergarten, first, second grade, I struggled with reading. Reading was very frustrating for me. It was very hard. It, It was something that did not come to me naturally. And Like any five or six-year-old, when they struggle with something, they're not self-aware enough to know that, hey, this is something you need to fight through. This is something you need to push through. I did what any other five or six-year-old would do. I pushed against it. I said, I'm not, I don't need to read. I don't, I don't need, I don't need no book learning. Come on, somebody. Right? Like I was just frustrated with it. And it every time I sat down to read, it irritated me. I felt insecure. I felt like I was not smart because I couldn't read. It was very difficult for me. It was so difficult and so memorable that as a grown man, I can still remember some of the feelings that I had as a five or six-year-old connected to reading. But my parents being good, strong parents and leading me in a healthy way did everything that it took to help me read well. They put me in classes that actually uh, gave me exercises that would make it easier for me to learn to read. And I had this very early on in my life. But and out of those classes and out of those exercises and out of those um, trainings to help me rethink um, how to respond when I was reading and how to rethink um, what I was seeing on the page, out of that came something very interesting. Not only did I learn to tolerate reading, I learned to love reading. I learned to be excited about reading. By the time I was in middle school, I wasn't just reading things for school. I was reading my father's fiction books. I was reading adult fiction, but not like adult fiction as inappropriate, but adult fiction as in written for other people. Uh, just throwing that out there. I was reading my dad's uh, like mystery novels and stuff. I was reading John Grisham at like 12. Like that, like that's the kind of stuff I was doing. What happened in my life was that something that was broken caused a spot of frustration for me. The way that I read was frustrating. And so I decided to not like reading at all for a season when I was little. But as I began to realize that I could read and that I could figure those things out, as I, as I grew up in those early years of elementary, what I found out is that not only do I tolerate it, I love it. I have a passion for it. I'm averagely reading two to three books at a time, not including scripture. Why? Because I just love reading. I love learning through the written word. And there's something amazing about that. But had I not allowed myself or had people pushing me to get past the frustration of struggling to read, I would have never found the comfort and the joy and the passion for reading in my life. Now, I tell you that story to say this, that for many of us, 
We struggle with things spiritually because when we initially start doing them, they're frustrating to us. Maybe you're finding yourself frustrated because the things that God is trying to help you uh, excel in and grow in and develop in are actually pushing against some of the things that are broken in your life. And God in his leadership is trying to lead you to wholeness, but it's frustrating because that work to wholeness is painful. And maybe those things are not comfortable right now. Maybe they're not good for uh, how you feel right now, but they are good for your soul. Some of the deepest works you'll do in your life are uncomfortable in your spirituality. They're uncomfortable in your walk with Jesus. But if you'll learn to trust the leadership of the Lord and allow him to take you from a place of frustration to comfort, his rod and staff will comfort you. I believe that there's three stages in our life for us to really walk out um, going from a place of frustration and into comfort in our life. I have a pastor friend uh, that I worked for several years ago that used to say it like this, that there are three stages in your spiritual walk uh, in, in your relationship with God. And the first one is discipline. That if I am going to go from a place of frustration to comfort, it's discipline. It's learning to choose, even when I don't like it, to trust the leadership of God, to trust what the word of God says and allow it to direct and shape my life. This season is the hardest one because it is that place of frustration. It's as bad as the heavy breather in your office or the person who irritates you because they're stretched out on the plane. It is constant because you can feel the tension between what you know God wants you to do and what you feel like you want to do. It is difficult. But when we allow the revelation of God to change us and to shape us and to make us into someone new and to restore what the brokenness of this world has done in our life, in the beginning, it's painful. In the beginning, it's uncomfortable. And we have to choose to discipline ourselves in a way that we choose to follow the leadership and the lordship and the shepherding of Jesus in our life to get us to the next phase. And that next phase is desire. There's something about once I've chosen to be disciplined about following Jesus that that we see a little bit of the benefit, right? You see some of the benefit of trusting in Jesus. You see some of the freedom that begins to uh, explode in your life as you trust in God. But it's not quite a place where you're happy about it yet, right? Like it's not quite a place where you go, yes, this is this is definitely good and I love this. But, but there begins to be a desire to see more wholeness brought and more healing brought in your own life. And we go from discipline to desire. In this place of desire, uh, you'll see some good things out of it and you'll, and you'll still struggle with the tension of that frustration. You'll feel like you're almost leading um, like a chariot or a wagon where you have the two reins in your hand and you're trying to keep them uh, working with each other and you're just holding it back and forth, trying to keep them in line. Um, but that desire piece is important because in that desire, as I choose uh, continually more discipline, that desire will actually help me more and more see the fruit of that discipline and see the fruit of following Jesus and allowing God to lead me like a shepherd. The third part of that is delight. So I choose discipline, which leads me to desire, which leads me to delight. Now, when we talk about delight, I, I want to say it this way, that there's a perspective shift. 
There, there's a perspective shift because not every season after this is delightful, right? There are things that God calls us to. There are things that God um, builds us up for that are still difficult. They're still painful. They're still hard sometimes. But there's a perspective change when I begin to see God's um, fruit in my life over and over and over again. And I see the goodness that comes out of him leading me like a shepherd over and over again. When I see that rod and staff working in my life in a way that it brings me to a place that's way more healthy than I ever thought it would be, there's a perspective change. And that is this, that I can trust in God's leadership. Even if it does frustrate me, I have a confidence and a joy that comes out of his leadership that I can choose to trust it and I can choose to have peace even when I don't feel like having peace because I know that there's something good around the corner if I'll just continue to follow his leadership. And that's why it's a delight. That's why it's a delight because that leadership takes me to a place where I can rest in the joy of the Lord. I can rest in the goodness of God even when there's something frustrating, even when I feel like... um I, I want to just throw in the towel and not be disciplined about it anymore. I can choose to uh, act on faith and trust in what God's leading me to because I know there are good things on the other side of that choice. And that gives me a delight. It gives me a consistent joy. It gives me a consistent peace because I know I can trust the direction of the Lord. His rod and staff will then comfort me and they'll comfort you. But if I don't choose those three stages, if I don't choose discipline and I don't choose desire and I don't choose to eventually get to delight, it'll always be a place of infantile, immature brokenness and I'll never go deep with God. But it's when I trust him and I allow him to discipline me and I allow him to guide me and allow that to become a desire and then I choose to step into the perspective shift, that moment of the perspective shift tells me that discipline and desire was all worth it. It's all worth it. When I allow him to shape me and I choose the discipline that it takes to get to the next stage, it's painful. But when I go from desire to delight, I see that everything that I've been working towards has a greater purpose than maybe even I ever imagined. And so today, I hope that you're encouraged. Maybe you're at a place where God's uh, leadership in your life in a certain area isn't necessarily comforting to you yet. Well, I want you to know that it can be. If you'll trust God, if you'll keep moving forward, if you'll keep uh, following his guidance in your life, you'll see the fruit that comes out of that. You'll see that delight in your life. Well, I hope today you've enjoyed this episode. I hope that it's challenged you and it's encouraged you. And if it has, I want you to do two things for me. Number one, take a moment and subscribe to my channel. Also, if you're listening on audio podcast, you can subscribe there as well. The second thing is share it with somebody. You can share these so easily on YouTube or on uh, Facebook or on whatever way you want to share them on social media. You hit a share button either on YouTube or on the audio podcast. You can send it directly to somebody or you can just share it, share it on a social media. However you do that, thanks so much for helping spread the gospel through this podcast. Well, until next week, I'm Andy. Thanks so much for watching the Andy McMillan Podcast.